Welcome to the Amazing Mets Cast, episode 14. We are back for the 2017 season, and we could not be opening up this season in a bigger way with the guests we have on the show today. On the show today, we have New York Mets utility man Ty Kelly and Joe D of MetsMorizedOnline.com, the editor in chief, giving us his thoughts on what's going on with the Mets in the 2017 season as we get ready to open up here in just a few days. Today's episode is sponsored by Dan and John's Wings. Dan and John's Wings are consistently rated among the best wings in New York City. These are two guys from Buffalo, New York, making wings the original, authentic Buffalo way. Scrolling through Yelp, Facebook, and Google reviews, it's easy to see the love that Dan and John's Wings have received from the New York City food community. You can find them the prominent club for Mets games at City Field, or get their wings at their East Village takeout location on First Avenue and St. Mark's. They also have the stand at Smorgasbord, a huge foodie festival every weekend in Brooklyn. Visit their website for more details, danjohnswings.com. And if you order, take out on their website. You can use promo code METS for a discount on your order. The website again, danandjohns.com. So, without further ado, let's get this on the road here. Uh, after I'm done speaking here, you're going to hear me speaking again. But this time, we're going to be joined by Ty Kelly of the New York Mets. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Amazing Mets cast. We have with us a very special guest of the week. Uh, Ty Kelly joins us today, the New York Mets. Ty, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, man. So spring training is finally weaning down, ending your time in Port St. Lucie and opening day just around the corner. How ready are you guys at this point just to start the regular season? Yeah, everybody is ready to go. Um, you know, this is the, the point of spring training when our eyes are on the beginning of the regular season. So we're all ready to go. Just kind of uh, touching up some, some last minute adjustments and um, getting ready for the long haul of the season. I mean, how grueling is that before going to like 162 game season and, you know, still having that really extended type of spring training? Spring training is long. You know, for it's why at the beginning of spring training, so many, Big leaguers are only playing, you know, they're playing every other day or been playing a few innings at a time. So, you know, those guys get the opportunity to to take it easy on themselves um, early on in spring and then build themselves up. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of the other guys are, are playing every day and, and minor leaguers come in and start playing every day. So it can be a long season, um, you know, especially with how long spring is. Right. And it's good to see we're all excited to get the regular season underway at this point. And, I mean, obviously last year was a big year for you. You make your major league debut with the Mets you know, after bouncing around the minors for a bit. What was that experience like, you know, finally finding yourself on a major league ball field and seeing all that hard work come to fruition? It was awesome. You know, I mean, it's it's what everyone is working for their whole lives. Um, you know, everyone works for that moment for, for their whole career. And um, for that to, kind of, to, to finally um, happen for me was, amazing um you know and i i always tell people that that it's not just about that moment in my life it's also about that moment for the rest of my family and for all of my friends that have followed my career and, and um so it's a it's a really awesome moment for me but also for everybody else involved all the people that have coached me throughout my life and um you know so many people are affected by it and it's just really cool to to finally have that happen absolutely did you guys get a lot of your family out there for your debut my dad came out for my debut uh 
but my the rest of my family got to come to San Francisco to watch uh, when I played there. So, and then tons of friends out in San Francisco also um, since I grew up in Northern California. So that it, uh, they they didn't all get to come out to the East Coast, but but um, you know, like I said, when I when I went back to the West Coast, tons of people out there. So it was really cool to to be out on a big stage in front of all of them. You know, like you said, growing up and, you know, practicing your whole life, going towards baseball and then finally getting to that major league level, it's got to be huge for anybody's family. Yeah, it, it was, um, you know, I mean, so many people are involved and you know, your family is there watching you at your highs and lows for your whole life. And then all the way throughout your career, they're there, you know, when you're playing well, when when you're in a slump, whatever, they're they're always there and um yeah you know i mean it's just it's just amazing for for so many people and um you know lots of people are involved and and finally you you kind of you know you get to relax and everyone gets to join in this shared um you know exciting moment absolutely and was baseball your main sport always growing up did you have other sports i always played a lot of sports growing up i played basketball through high school um so I, I was two sports in high school and then before that i i dabbled in you know i golfed for a little while growing up and just flag football and um you know soccer youth soccer stuff like that so i was always active playing a bunch of different sports um but baseball and basketball were were the ones that stuck and what made you eventually choose baseball over basketball uh, I'm not the tallest guy, and uh, while I think I'm pretty athletic, I I don't know it, that I'm athletic enough to to overcome being um, six feet tall. Um, so you know, baseball is kind of the the natural option, and um, basketball was definitely I, I think basketball is definitely my favorite sport um, throughout high school and. You know, even now I still <clears throat> really enjoy watching basketball. Um, you know, the games are are so exciting, and even in high school, you have packed gyms, and uh, you know, all your friends are there to watch. But your baseball games, you have like twenty people in the stands, and it's just all the parents. So, basketball is always the the more fun sport to play. Yeah, it is crazy. Like I play high school baseball too, and there only there literally is never anyone there. But anytime the basketball games are on, that whole gym is packed every week. <laughs> Yeah, basketball is uh, easily consumable, I guess. It's just easy to watch, and uh, the crowd feeds off of each other. So, um, you know, it's easy to get into. And now as you go into baseball, I mean, obviously, you don't have the easiest job as a baseball player being a super utility guy, you know, not knowing where you're really going to play on any given day and what position you might be at, when you might bat. How do you prepare for something like that every day? Well, I think I've been pre- preparing my whole life, really. Um, you know, there you can go out and take ground balls at, at all the different positions, which I try to do, and get fly balls in the outfield, but there's nothing like game experience. So, you know, I've, throughout the minors, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to get put at a bunch of different places and get real game experience and, and live reads. And, um, you know, the, there's there's nothing that can simulate that so just getting all that experience throughout my career and and um and and throughout you know throughout growing up it just has helped me so much to to be able to go out there and be comfortable no matter where they put me 
So it's, um, you know, I've, there, there were some years when I wasn't exactly happy that I was getting thrown out in the outfield, but you know, it has really paid off at this point and I'm able to, to go out and feel comfortable and left and right. And I got some time in uh center the last couple of years. So it's uh, I've been really fortunate as far as where coaches have played me. Yeah, I mean that having that versatility, of course, you know where you're at. It's great to have that versatility because you can pretty much be plugged in almost anywhere and be successful. Is there one position you see yourself most comfortable in out of all of them, or at this point, are you just you know you feel okay at all of them? I am pretty comfortable everywhere. Um, I mean, I've I've played the most infield throughout my career, so I guess you know. I've played the most second and third, and those are probably where I'm most comfortable. But, um, yeah, just that I've had the most experience there. So I guess second and third, um, I enjoy playing third a lot just because of how uh, reactionary it is and how, how quick all of the plays are. So I, I like that aspect of third a lot. Very cool. And obviously with this year, you know, getting in the majors, facing all these big-time pitchers, who would you say has been the toughest pitcher you've had a hit against so far? Um, that's a tough one. I I think that, you know, last year it was uh, my debut against Strasburg. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was uh, just being that it was my debut and um, my, my first at-bats in the big leagues. And, I mean, he's obviously one of the best pitchers in baseball, so. I think um he was really tough and um yeah it's all that's a a question that everybody asks and I never really give a good answer um I I still feel like I need to to think that one out more but he I mean he's really good he's got a really good change up and uh you know when he's healthy he's he's tough to hit you know whether it's your debut or you've been in the league for a long time Yeah I mean as I said too your debut you got that against the Nationals and at that point, you're you're thrown right into it. At that point, the rivalry in the NL East between the Mets and Nationals. What was that atmosphere like? It was awesome. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's tough when you're going through it at the time, but when you get to look back on it and realize that you got vital experience and you know in a in division rivalry, um, you know, it's it's just really cool to to be able to to look back on that and know that every other game you play is going to be easier than that, you know, obviously until you get to the playoffs or whatever, but you get thrust into a rivalry and it's a big deal and every game in the big leagues counts. So it's, um, it's a good first experience to, to get out of the way and then um, be able to take that into the rest of the games. Very cool. And absolutely. I mean, and switching gears a little bit, you know, let's get into the world baseball classic that you just participated in uh, for team Israel. What was that experience like? I mean, obviously, from everyone watching on TV this year, the reviews were great. We had great games this year, great competition. It was just a great tournament to watch. How was that experience for you? It was amazing. Um, you know, getting we got to go to Korea and then to Japan. So getting to go out to Asia was awesome. And, and just being involved in the WBC, you know, basically um, baseball's Olympics, um, is amazing you get to to play international baseball and um it's just uh it's a different atmosphere and then especially in the middle of spring training you get again you get thrust into these big games that that mean something right away so you're you're forced to step up and 
um, and play for your team and, and not worry about your, your individual development as much. Um, so it's a, it's a really cool atmosphere. And then, uh, you know, our team obviously was made up of a ton of American guys. So we all got to bond through our heritage and, and then obviously through our American background as well. So, um, it was a really, a really fun experience and, and cool that we were able to get to go to Asia also. Right. And I do understand too, as you're talking about, you know, the heritage there and before the WBC, you and a few of your teammates, including former Matt Ike Davis, uh, toward Israel prior to the classic, what's that fanfare down there like for baseball? It's, uh, Israel is a really interesting place. There are so many Americans there or people that have lived in America or, or have relatives in America. So there is a, a baseball following, uh, lots of, all the people from America bring it over. Um, and so, you know, we went there and we, a lot of us were, were recognized and, um, you know, they, they follow baseball as much as they can. Um, and it's a, a sport that I think that a lot of people over there would like to be more abundant. Um, you know, they, they don't have a ton of fields. So that was one of the, the things that we, we did when we were there was um, we, we were at like the, the grand opening of a new field or a new complex of fields. So um, I think it's, I think it's growing is probably the best way to, to put it. Now is major league baseball big down there. Does it have a presence in Israel? Yeah. Like, like I said, it's a, the presence is what has come over from, you know, what the people have brought from Mm -hmm. America over there. So it's a, there were a lot of Mets fans um, and then, you know, a lot of Cubs fans also. So I think a lot of people from, from those cities that have come over or, or people who have relatives there, um, everybody knew who Ike Davis was. Um, so there, there is a following. And um, one of the things we were hoping to do was, was uh, to, you know, promote, promote baseball over there and, and hope that that following, um, gets get some legs. Very cool. And you know, talking about the games themselves. I mean, I remember after that Israel Korea game when you guys pulled out that incredible two one victory in uh, ten innings. You had tweeted that was the most stressful game you had ever played in. And you know, having played in that game, and then you know, months before you guys had the wild card game with the Mets. How would you compare playing the WBC with that international feel compared to the MLB playoffs? They, you know, it was similar. The obviously the the playoff game feels you know it's it's definitely different it's in its own class um even for just a wild card game you know it's in new york and it's sold out and people are going crazy um but the, the reason that wasn't as stressful is because i only had to be in the game for like five minutes so i was mostly just getting ready to go in and and then um once i pinch it i came out of the game so i was I didn't have to do anything else after that. I just got to sit back and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, playing third in the middle of that game, you know, we, we left like 15 people on base and it was just, you know, it was like you're pulling your hair out over, you know, at third base and in, in the, the dugout um, when your team's hitting. Um, so it was just, it was stressful because we knew we were right there so many times and we couldn't push that run across. And then, you know, finally it happened in the 10th inning. Yeah, fantastic game. Really just a great tournament overall this year. Um, and, you know, let's completely switch gears. Baseball behind. Um, we talk about these digital shorts that you and Matt Perret put out. 
Um, you let everybody know a little bit about that. I mean, I've watched them over the last couple months, and they're great. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he has a, a YouTube channel called Homeless Minor Leaguer, um, and that's his brand. And he, you know, as of a couple years ago, he started putting some videos out, and then, uh, and then two off seasons ago, I met him through. Um, through our, our other roommate who's also in the Giants organization, Matt Lujan. Um, so we, you know, we immediately did a video, kind of a, a PSA video or a parody video about uh, minor leaguers, you know, kind of like the the Sarah McLaughlin um, homeless dogs yeah. video, stuff like that. Um, so, so that was the kind of the original video that got us going. And then, he did a couple other ones, and then this past off season, um, he moved in, and we, you know, it, we just kind of clicked as, as um, partners, I guess, um, like writing partners. We we have similar senses of humor, and we, um, you know, we work well together, and and um, are able to bounce ideas off of each other all the time. So, we put out a couple more videos, and then we um, we've continued all that stuff um, during spring training. We're trying to, to put some, some more things together. He's got a lot of stuff going on um, videos that he's planning on doing during the season. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been a really cool collaboration just because we're, we're able to both be very creative and open with each other and, and not afraid to, to bounce uh, ideas off of each other and, and um, see what clicks. Did you guys both dabble in this prior to getting into the minors? I never had this was uh this was all him and and I I guess I've always enjoyed acting in in some form and um and writing and and paying attention to to things going on in in entertainment TV and movies and stuff like that so uh he I I think he he brought it out of me and and um gave me a channel to to um to get to do all this stuff and it's been a lot of fun it's been um you know i i have a lot of fun acting and then helping out with the writing and things like that and just making cameos whenever i can so it's uh it's a lot of fun for me and i'm glad that that uh we found each other and that he he lets me help him out every once in a while very cool yeah i mean this stuff's great you guys got to check out homeless minor leaguer on youtube they have a lot of great videos for you guys to check out uh, Ty, it should be a great year this year in Queens. I wish you the best of luck. We're all rooting for you guys. Thanks so much for joining us today, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks a lot, man. This episode is brought to you by Dan and John's Wings. Dan and John's Wings are consistently rated among the best wings in New York City. These are two guys from Buffalo, New York, making wings the original, authentic Buffalo way. Scrolling through Yelp, Facebook, and Google reviews, it's easy to see the love that Dan and John's Wings has received from the New York City food community. You can find them in the Promenade Club for Mets games at City Field or get their wings at their East Village takeout location on First Avenue in St. Mark's. They also have a stand at Smorgasbord, a huge foodie festival every weekend in Brooklyn. Visit their website for more details and if you order takeout on their website, you can use promo code METS for a discount on your order. That website is Dan and John's. Dot com. Thank you again to Ty Kelly for joining us on this show. Obviously means a lot anytime you can get a player like that on these uh, podcasts. Now, 
again after this next little segment uh, we'll be having joe d come on to give us his thoughts as the mets enter the 2017 season and um, we're gonna waste no time with that we're gonna get right into that and again like i said last time after this i'm gonna start talking again but i'll be talking to joe d right now welcome back to the amazing mets cast we have with us one of our special guests of this opening day episode the editor-in-chief of MetsmerizeOnline.com, Joe D. joins us today. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Brian. I'm happy to do this. All right, man. So obviously spring training is finally weaning down opening day, just days away. What are your thoughts? How confident are you going into the season with this 2017 ball club? I'm, I'm very confident. I, uh, I, obviously, you know, everyone talks about how great the pitching is, but I think our offense is very underrated. People look at last year and they look at the run scored and, you know, they made crazy narratives like the Mets are hitting too many home runs and stuff like that. But, um, you know, one of the big reasons for that last year was that, you know, we had a lot of injuries, but right now the team looks healthy. I'm expecting big comeback seasons from guys like Duda, you know, and uh, I really can see the Mets winning at least 90 games. I mean, my prediction is 94. So, you know, that's how confident I feel about this team. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, Duda's showed some nice power this spring. Three homers, nine RBIs when we're recording this. Uh, nice three-run home run on a Tuesday against the Cardinals. And, yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to be a big part of this offense. And like I said, an underrated offense. I mean, you got a guy like Lucas Duda who might be batting sixth or seventh on this club. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about Duda, um, the big thing that uh, a lot of people are forgetting, in fact, I was just watching, uh, reading, I should say, some positional rankings on fan graphs and ESPN did a version of it. You know, they have the Mets all the way down at the bottom, you know, in 20s or with at first base as far as offense goes. But what they're, what they're not considering is that Duda is going to probably be platooning for most of the season. So you take Duda and you take, let's say, a projection of 27 or 28 home runs, and then you add that to Wilma Flores and his 14 home runs, and we're going to get some big-time production out of first base. We're going to be top five. Let me put it to you that way. That's the way. That's how confident I am in that, in that platoon. It's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, if dude is healthy, obviously, he, he has the power to be there to be one of the top home run hitters in the game, honestly. Uh, Flores from the sure. right side is great. Uh, it's a fantastic platoon. I mean, Absolutely. It just, and it would be interesting to see what ends up happening. I mean, obviously, we heard so much craziness surrounding first base, um, you know, prior to spring training starting, whether Conforto is playing there, Jay Bruce, even David Wright at times uh, were mentioned. Uh, that was all just smoke as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, Terry Collins has a funny way of, you know, trying to light a fire under a player's ass, and, 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 he, and he does things like that. But uh, I, I don't think anyone was ever really seriously buying into that stuff. And now in kind of, you know, switching to Conforto a little bit here, I mean, obviously he's been seeing some reps in center field over the last few games in spring. How do you feel how they're handling him at this point? Well, I think they're in a, in a tough spot. I mean, you know, let's face it. Nobody expected Jay Bruce to still be here. Um, the fact is, though, that he is here and he's owed a significant sum of money and he's going to play every day. Um, that's bad news for Conforto. As far as playing in center field and getting some at-bats that way, it's still going to be Curtis Grandison who plays the majority of the games out there. So you can't really 
have a guy like Conforto languishing on the bench and, you know, instead of at least getting more experience and developing more at AAA until the time comes that we can use him and play him every day, I think it would be a mistake to bring him on board just so he can get one start a week. I, I don't think that's going to serve the Mets' best interest or Conforto's best interest. Yeah, I mean, obviously with Lagaris getting the MRI, it sounds pretty clean, but we're still up in the air if he's going to be ready for opening day. Uh, do you see Conforto possibly coming north of the team to start the season? Not from what I'm hearing. I'm hearing uh, Juan Lagares is feeling great. I believe he's actually going to play in an intra-squad game tomorrow, which is great news. I mean, they must be really confident if they're going to put him in a game tomorrow. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, the Mets want Juan, Lagar- Juan Lagares to make the team. They need him. He's the only natural center fielder they have. And, you know, late in games, you know, in the eighth and ninth innings when defense really matters, you're going to see Lagares out there quite quite often this season. Yeah, they definitely need that defense. I mean, he is spectacular in the field. I mean, this spring making some fantastic catches. And, you know, kind of getting Bruce back to Bruce a little bit here, uh, taking up that right field position. You know, I've heard some chatter that maybe, you know, if he gets a quick start in April – the Mets might look to trade him quick. I mean, is that something you see happening with him, or you think they'll just kind of go for the long haul here and see what he does in a contract year? No, I really do think the Mets will uh, look for any opportunity to trade Jay Bruce. They were hoping they would get an opportunity or two this spring with injuries, but that didn't happen. But the Mets are very anxious to move Jay Bruce. They really are. Uh, And not so much because they want to move his salary, which is always – you know, a consideration with the New York Mets. But because they really do want Michael Conforto to come in and and grab that starting job and run with it. They have a lot of confidence in Conforto. They expect big things from him. Yeah, I mean, you could tell he is just chomping at the bit to be up here again. I remember some quotes, I think, from him even last week where he, you know, described that he just wants to come north with the team, even if it is in a backup role. I don't think it's the best for him. And most beneficial for him anyway, he needs to get those reps as much as possible. But he's showing that he wants to be up here bad. Oh yeah, definitely. He's he's very anxious. I kind of you know I I kind of feel bad for the guy, but you know obviously he's gonna say I don't care if I make the team as a backup, because of course he'll be collecting a major league paycheck. Sure. But but if you want to do the right thing by him developmentally wise, I don't know if that's a word or not. <laughs> but uh. He needs to go to AAA and play every day. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he definitely needs to get the reps in. He needs to be an everyday player to you know continue his development at this point of his career. And you know, as you switch gears to where they're at with center field right now with Granderson and his own walk year, what do you expect out of Granderson defensively this season? I mean, we know offensively he has he's decent, but that defensive aspect in center field at his age. Well, not so much because of his age, because he's always been you know, the same kind of player for the last seven or eight seasons. But, you know, you're going to get a center fielder who will get to most balls. But let's face it, he's not going to have the kind of range of, you know, an average center fielder. So he'll be below average in that regard. But the other thing with Granderson is he has a very weak arm. So you're going to see a lot of uh, runners trying to take an extra base on him. You're going to see a lot of singles turning into doubles and a lot of doubles turning into triples. You're going to see a lot of teams taking chances and sending a runner home where they might 
just hold on him because of the arm of the center fielder. So uh, in that regard, in those stats that you don't see in the box score, yeah, it's not ideal to have Curtis Granderson as your center fielder. Sure, and you know, kind of getting back over to the infield here. Of course, it's been beaten to death all spring training at the third base situation. Uh, David Wright, Jose Reyes, Wilmer Flores. Um, are you expecting anything at all from Wright going into the season, or are you just kind of whatever you get, you get at this point? Not at all. I, I have the same stance I had last season. I don't expect anything at all from David Wright. I love the guy. I wish that you know he could come in and you know, and play 125 games for us. But I just don't see that happening, you know. The, uh, you know, the spirit is, is strong, but the flesh is too weak with, the, with David Wright, unfortunately. So I really don't expect anything from him. My big concern is will we get the typical production you want from third base from Jose Reyes? And that's a question that, We'll all find out the answer to right now uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Ray has showed some you know nice sparks again in 2016. Going into 2017, you hope for more of the same. How do you feel about him defensively handling third base on more of a regular basis? There's going to be some clunkers out there. That's that's for sure. Um, you know, third base is is an instinct position. You know, that's why they call it the hot corner. And we saw Reyes, and at times he looked okay. But at times, uh, his instincts were not what they should have been. So um, I don't. I expect some improvement this season. But you know, if he can just be average defensively, that would be a fantastic thing for the New York Mets. Absolutely. I mean, he is that spark plug atop the order, and you know, even where he's at in his career, he's going to be looked at to be that again this season. Uh, let's take a look up the middle. Neil Walker and his Drupal Cabrera uh, obviously both had some injury issues last year, but also provided some great production that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. What's your feelings on second and shortstop this year? Yeah, not only did they provide some great production, but uh, I mean, when you remember to the day, when you remember back to uh, Daniel Murphy playing second base, I mean, how many double play opportunities did Daniel Murphy cost us? Sure. And then you saw these two guys come in, and it was like anything hit them in their direction where the guy at first base was, was a double play. You didn't even have to think about it. It was like almost automatic, and that was great to see. Offensively, I don't think anyone expected Asdrubal Cabrera to do what he did. I mean, that was, that was amazing. Uh, I hope he can repeat. Uh, you know, and Neil Walker, before he injured his back, he was putting up the best season of his career. And not only that, he was hitting left-handers and right-handers with, you know, with great aplomb. So, um, yeah, I, I expect if they stay healthy, I expect similar type of uh, offense from them this season. And, you know, that, you know that, that would actually put the Mets middle infield up, you know, near the top 10 in baseball as far as pro offensive production goes. Yeah, I mean, this team has the ability to be one of the best offensive teams in the league to me, if all goes right, of course, for them. I yeah. mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, of course, one of the hottest topics this offseason, the spring training, was the catching position of Travis Darno. Darno is still struggling in spring, throwing out some runners. You know, what's your thoughts on that at this point? Well, 
That's why, thankfully, the Mets have some great offense up the middle, you know, um, because I don't, I, you know, he he's become an enigma, Travis Darno. I mean, I don't know what to expect from him anymore. I mean, every spring we hear about he has a new swing, he has a new approach. Oh, they're doing great things with him defensively. You know, I think he's had three different catching coaches since he's been with the team. And, and we keep hearing, how, oh, man, you should look at Travis Darno now. But in the meantime, he, he has still yet to come up, play a full season, and show any of the, you know, the types of numbers that scouts were pegging this guy for. I mean, at this point, if he can just come up and bat 250, hit 20 home runs, and get 50 RBIs, I'd be extremely happy. But uh, he really needs to, you know, stand up and deliver. I mean, all that talk about his expectations, he's not a rookie anymore. What is he like? Twenty eight now? Yeah, he's around. I there. mean, he, he's 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 getting up there, and people still talk about him like, oh, wait until Travis Tarno gets in the groove, and wait wait until he does that. Yeah, you know, it's time for him to start delivering. You know. Yeah, and I mean, no more time for talk. And not even offensively. I mean, of course, we have all the questions with his defense as well, and being able to throw out runners. I mean, people run on him at will when given the opportunity. Um, Mets hired Glenn Sherlock to be third base coach and the catching instructor this all season to work on that. And I mean, obviously, of course, you can't just go by spring training, but it, you know, it doesn't seem like things have been too much of an improvement yet. No, I mean, as uh, as recently as uh, what was it Friday? Last Friday, they were still talking about you know working with him and you know, to to get a quicker release and to be more accurate and that he's working on his footing when he throws the ball. Uh, this was just last Friday. So obviously uh, they're still working with him. And, uh, you know, it's it's not a completed process yet as far as, you know, him getting the ball to second base or third base, whatever the case may be. You know, I, I you got to give some of the blame to Noah Syndergaard in that one game where I think they stole like four or five stolen bases mm-hmm. because Noah just has a very, a very slow release and uh, the, it takes a while for the ball to get to the catcher and, um, and runners take advantage of that. So in fact, the very next day, Travis Darno played in the minor league game and I think he caught four base runners running. So that was encouraging. <laughs> That's good to hear. I mean, and how much do you take into credence now? You know, Collins pretty much coming out and say Darno might not start opening day, given Rene Rivera that nod. And, you know, opening day, regardless of personal catchers, whatever it may be, you put out there who you normally believe is your your best guys. Do you take right. any credence in that? Um, I think Terry Collins is doing what he has to do to, to win baseball games. And the fact of the matter is that they do shut down the running game somewhat when Rene Rivera is catching Noah Syndergaard. Um, so I can't fault Perry for going, you know, with, with Rene v- Rivera on, uh, on opening day. All right. And, of course, you know, when you hear about the New York Mets, mainly you hear about their pitching staff. Um, so let's take a look there. Do you believe this will be the year we finally see the Fab Five all at once in the rotation at one time? No, that's just a myth. We'll never see it. <laughs> I, 
I've been waiting for that for three years now, and now I'm convinced it's never going to happen. And that's because, you know, uh, trying to predict, you know, pitching performances and and then considering all the injuries, it's it's like almost impossible to have five guys who throw in the high 90s all, you know, making 30 starts in the same season at the same time. You know, it, it it's it's become mythical. <laughs> um, so no, I don't see that. If we can get, you know, Degrom, if we can get Matt, if we can get Syndergaard to give us 30 starts, that would be great. If Matt Harvey can chime in with 25 more, that would be great. You know, uh, Gazelman, tough to figure. Still not sure which Gazelman we saw last year. Was it the Gazelman that came up and, and and gave the Mets, you know, eight amazing starts to close out the season last year? Or is it the Gazelman, you know, that we know from AAA and AA and single-A? I mean, he exceeded anything he ever did in the minor leagues when he came up. So we don't really know yet what to expect. I mean, uh, some radar guns had him throwing five miles per hour faster than he was in the minors. So um, he's kind of a question mark. But I like him, and I really do. I, I, I think even if we get uh, a Gazalman that's somewhere in the middle between his major league performance and his minor league performance, I think any Met fan will take that. I agree. I mean, it seems like the, this rotation, no matter where you look, there's so many positives. Um, you know, of course, the main questions that most people will be talking about, other than Zach Wheeler, you know, is Matt Harvey and where he's at. Obviously, his last couple of starts he did show, in spring training, he did show some good improvements. Uh, what do you feel you're going to get from Harvey this year? I know you just said 25 starts. Do you think you're going to see be, more than I'd Harvey be, old? Um, I hope so. I mean, Harvey is the most unpredictable of the five because of uh, the type of surgery he had, how rare it is, and how little data there is, you know, with other pitchers that had that same thoracic outlet surgery. So he's kind of tough to figure because, uh, you know, the one thing, though, that that uh, about Harvey is that he's younger than some of the other guys that had this surgery. So maybe he'll have a, a better turnaround. Uh, as far as the spring training uh, goes, I saw him just improving every single time he took the mound. I saw improvement. It may not have shown in in the game results. It wasn't the kind of improvement you'll see in a box score. But he was throwing better. He was starting to get better command of his secondary pitches. And more importantly, his velocity kept creeping up one start after another. Yep. So now he's up to uh, 98 I mean, he hit that two or three times in his last start. That's fantastic. Now, can he harness all of these things and put it all together and, you know, and go out and, and give the Mets the kind of performance that he used in the past? Well, that remains to be seen. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, obviously the rotations what most people eye on when they take a look at this team, and it's definitely a big year for Harvey as he tries to rebuild himself back up to what he, he was once looked at as. Um, obviously, with Zach Wheeler, you have some question marks there as well. He seems healthy mm-hmm. now, looking pretty good himself in spring training. Um, do you believe ultimately he's going to end up in extended spring training going into the season? Let me tell you about Zach Wheeler. He always looks good in spring training. Let me tell you something else about Zach Wheeler. 
He hasn't pitched in over two years. Yep. Um, you know, hopefully, I don't know what they're going to do, but it looks like now they he has an outside shot uh, of making the team, uh, you know, uh, out of spring training. Uh, and that's mainly due to the uncertainty surrounding Stephen Matz. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know that if – let's assume Matz makes the team. I mean, they said he, he – uh, He's looked good in a couple of bullpens, and I believe he's doing a simulated start uh, either to, today or tomorrow. Uh, but let's assume Matt makes a team. I think Wheeler should definitely, you know, um, stay in extended spring training um, and then get himself a rehab assignment at Double A and work himself back to the team. I think he needs to get starts. I need. I think we need to see more of a sample of him pitching before we all start saying, oh, he looks great. And, yes, I know he threw, I believe, five shutout innings um, yesterday, actually. Um, I still think we need to see him do more of that over an extended period before we go ahead and insert him into the rotation. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big year for him. It seems like a big year for so many of these guys as they try and come back from injury. And, you know, cross paths, go over to the bullpen a little bit. As we're recording this, just a little bit before the MLB announced they're handing down a 15-game suspension for Juris Familia for the domestic violence issue. Um, you know, what's your thoughts at this point of Addison Reed stepping into that closer role for the first few weeks of the season? Well, um, first of all, I'm glad to see that Familia only got a 15-game suspension. Uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be at least 30 games. So on that front, uh, I think the Mets got a very satisfactory result. Um, so now Addison Reed stepping into the closer role, it's not that big a deal anymore as it would have been if Familia had been gone for a month or longer. Mm-hmm. So um, I, think he, I think he'll be able to hold down the fort for 15 games. I don't think that'll be an issue. I mean, he was one of the most elite relievers in the game last season. Just because he didn't have the saves, you know, it's easy to uh, to pass over him and not see what an, a truly incredible season Addison Reed had last season. I mean, uh, it, 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 in some senses, uh, well, at least where the Mets go, he actually set a couple of franchise records uh, last year, so... I have no doubt he can step in and fill in for Familia until uh, he gets back. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, to me, the Mets have one of the deepest bullpens in the league. I mean, re-signing Blevins and Fernando Salas, even though Salas has had somewhat of a shaky spring, but he really hasn't had too much work in himself. I mean, how do you feel about those middle guys leading to the back end? Uh, I'm not too concerned. When it comes to veteran guys like Salas, I'm not that concerned about what they do in spring training, you know, when I, I really look at stats for spring training is for players that, you know, are looking to make the roster, rookies, young guys, stuff like that. But with veterans, I don't care. I mean, you take a veteran like Antonio Bastardo. I mean, he came into the season like, oh, wow, we had a great spring. He's going to have a great season. No, he didn't. Yeah. Um, so I think Salas will come in. He's going to be fine. Uh, the other guys, I hope we get. I hope we'd see Robles really evolve this season. That would be great because you got Addison Reed. I, I believe uh, he's a free agent at the end of the season. Yes. And it would be great to have a guy like Robles, 
evolve into an Addison Reed type pitcher and become a great setup man for the Mets. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, and he's definitely Jerry Blevins. Sense. Yeah, Jerry uh, uh, Blevins. I think is uh, I love the guy. So we got a good one there. I'm glad he. I'm glad he's back. And uh, as far as the the other guys in the pen, um, we'll see. I mean, uh, we got Josh Schmoker. Um, he's a uh, you know a lot of people look at him as though he's a uh, a lefty specialist, but but he's not. He's had reverse splits his entire career. So and it's funny because uh, last year, how often we saw Terry Collins bringing him in to face a left hitter, and I'd be like, No, what are you doing? Uh, but uh, hopefully that won't happen too much this season. But, you know, I, I, I like our pen. I, I, I like the way it looks. Um, I just hope that Reed, Familia, and the guys that we've grown to depend on can go out there and, and replicate what they did last season. Yeah, and, I mean, overall, this team obviously has everything they need to make that the first time in franchise history to go to the postseason three years in a row, which is crazy to me that that's never happened before. Um, you know, coming in here, again, no one's really picking the Mets to win the NL East. Uh, what are your thoughts on that at this point? Uh, I'm sorry, what was the question? What are your thoughts on the fact that, you know, even though they have this formidable offense, the great pitching, no one's really picking the Mets to win the NL East or look at as more as the underdogs going into the season in the division. How do you feel about that? Um, I, I, I think all these people that are in the prediction business, all these so-called analysts that make these types of predictions. Um, I think they're underestimating what, what the Mets will do this season. I think, they, I think they see the team and they take away a lot of points for health concerns. And that's valid. Mm-hmm. I can see that. But I, uh, I, I really do think the Mets are going to surprise uh, as far as uh, health and injuries go, I think they're going to have you know a little better season than they did last year. But regardless, I look at the Nationals, and I'll take the Mets rotation over their rotation any day. I look at their offense, and their offense compared with ours um, quite similarly on a lot of different levels: home runs, doubles, extra base hits, slugging percentage. Yeah, the Mets, again, I, I said they struggled uh, where runs scored, but I think that was a function of all the health concerns. If you look at the Mets' runs scored in April before they had all those injuries, and then look at their runs scored in from mid-August to the end of the season, the Mets were one of the top teams in baseball in runs scored. So that's what the Mets can do when they're healthy. So now, in terms of the NL East, I think the Mets are a better team than the Washington Nationals. I think it's going to be a battle, but I think it's going to be a battle that the Mets win this season. I agree. I'm with you there. I really believe in this team, to me, has everything it needs to take the NL East this year. Um, Hopefully we'll see it. Uh, Joe, overall, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Brian. This episode is brought to you by Dan and John's Wings. Dan and John's Wings are consistently rated among the best wings in New York City. These are two guys from Buffalo, New York, making wings the original, authentic Buffalo way. Scrolling through Yelp, Facebook, and Google reviews, it's easy to see the love that Dan and John's Wings has received from the New York City food community. 
You can find them in the Promenade Club for Mets games at City Field or get their wings at their East Village Takeout location on First Avenue in St. Mark's. They also have a stand at Smorgasbord, a huge foodie festival every weekend in Brooklyn. Visit their website for more details, and if you order takeout on their website, you can use promo code METS for a discount on your order. That website is danandjohns.com. Thank you to Joe D for taking the time to give us his thoughts on the New York Mets as we get ready to enter the 2017 season. That's pretty much our show for this week. Just quickly, before we let you guys go, the Mets did announce their starting pitching for their opening series against the Atlanta Braves, which begins this Monday, April 3rd. Of course, Noah Stindegaard will start opening day, and he'll be opposed by Julio Teheran. I feel like I always butcher that name. I don't know if, you know, I probably should have researched that better, but uh, Julio Teheran will go for the Atlanta Braves on opening day. Jacob deGrom will start the second game on April 5th, and of course, against Jacob deGrom, it's going to be a sad day for New York Mets fans as Big Sexy himself, Bartolo Colon, takes the man as an enemy for the Atlanta Braves. Lastly, we have Matt Harvey closing out the series on April 6th, and he will be taking on Jaime Garcia. And uh, that will wrap up this first series of the year. Uh, Mets will not face former ace R.A. Dickey this time around, but I'm sure they'll see him later in the season. Myself, I'll be at opening day. It's going to be interesting. It is sad that one of the most things I'm excited for is actually to see Bartolo Colon announced in front of the City Field crowd as an opposing player and just see the absolute outpouring of love and thundering applause that will deafen City Field when his name is announced. But that being said, that's our week. Everybody, enjoy your week. Enjoy the opening series of the 2017 New York Mets season. It's sure to hopefully be a great season for our boys. Have a week. (laughs) 